0: Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan and join me as we step into the top 10 January born actors in today's episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. It is time to do the first Top 10 Actors list of the year. Uh, this is January, the first time I've done January. Uh, there's one more month to go before we start uh, overlapping uh, where I started last year at March. So uh, this month and next month's episodes will still be all new names as you can't really change the date you uh, you were born. So uh, before we really jump in to this month's top 10. Just a few people uh, sitting on the outskirts, some pretty, you know, recognizable names that didn't quite make it this time, might have a chance next time depending on, you know, what movies are seen between, you know, now and next January. Uh, so these are a couple of people floating between the 11 to, you know, 30, 35 range uh, in January specifically. Uh, you've got James Earl Jones, Darth Vader's voice, Mini Driver, uh, David Patrick Kelly, Kara Seymour, Dave Foley, Craig Roberts. Uh, you've got Jason Siegel, James Cromwell, Gina Davis. Uh, who else we got down here? Alan Alda, Lee Van Cleef, Ray Milland. Um, a lot of these people, you know, having somewhere between five five and ten movies seen. so at you know, pretty high average film ratings. Uh, you know, you're looking at you know, David Patrick Kelly at 76, Craig Roberts at 77, um, Ray Milland, Lee Van Cleef, Julian Sands, 74, 75, 76 range. Uh, so those are definitely people to watch out for, you know, two, three movies away from really busting into the top 10 quite handily. Uh, J.K. Simmons is, is shows up here a little further down. Um, Mel Gibson, Ann Dowd. Uh, there's a huge chunk of, of females here. Norma Varden, Zoe Deschanel, Emily Watson, Diane Keaton, Sarah Polly, Ariel Winter, Kristen Schaal. A lot of big names. Um, I, would, I would say that January is one of the weaker months of the year uh, in this respect. Now, there are definitely a lot of people towards the top end of the list. Uh, very recognizable names, uh, well-deserving of their spot within the top 100, top 50, top 20, but on the whole, I would say that uh, they are, I, I would just, myself personally, my, my personal feeling about the, the quality of these actors is a little bit lower than I think it has been in some other months, particularly, you know, May and December, which are generally the most prevalent and, and prosperous months to be born in, based on the data I'm looking at. But all that being said, let's actually look at who these people are and, and what they've done and what they've been in, and uh, see if they're heading anywhere or what I have to see that they have to offer. So let's now jump into January's top ten actors. Count down ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, Oh no! Oh. At number ten. With 12 film credits, born January 18th, 1961, he has an average film rating of 72.58. I've seen three films of his rated in the 90s, three in the 80s, three in the 70s, and three between 25 and 49. Uh, He has a film value of 10.5, no Oscar nominations, and a total score of 72.71. He is ranked 125th overall. And that is the illustrious, the incredibly well-known, and household name of Bob Peterson. You probably don't know who Bob Peterson is. I wouldn't be shocked. I had to look him up because I don't know what he looks like. don't know what movies he was in, except for what I can see on my spreadsheet. And uh, it's pretty obvious uh, if you look at him on Letterboxd or something of the like. Bob Peterson is a voice actor. Uh, He has worked at Pixar since 1994. Uh, He is also uh, an animator, screenwriter, director. uh, And and most of his voice roles are fairly small. Uh, To come and rattle off a few, uh, in Up, he is the voice of Doug and Alpha. Uh, In uh, Monsters University, he's the voice of Roz. In Finding Dory, he's the voice of Mr. Ray. Uh, in this past year's Cars Three, he was the voice of Chick Hicks, and uh, you know his voice you know extends out to the smaller films surrounding Up. You know he was Mr. Ray in Finding Nemo. He was Roz in Monsters Inc. He was the voice of Jerry in Jerry's Game from 1997, the short film, uh, and then he has additional voices uh, that he has for Toy Story Three and The Incredible. So those those are all his credits. It, it's it's they're not a lot. Um, he he's. Not a prolific voice actor, and uh, if you look at the uh, look at his page on Letterboxd, he only has eleven credits there. The film that m- is missing from Letterboxd that I've seen him in is Tokyo Mater, uh, which is the Cars short film in which he has a small voice role in, and he is also the screenwriter for a lot of these movies. So, if I look at him in the writer's category, he's ranked 171st there. Uh, he helped pen the Oscar-nominated screenplays of Finding Nemo and Up. He was also part of the team behind Finding Dory, The Good Dinosaur, and Cars 3, at the very least. So, he he kind of has his, his fingers in every kind of bowl around him. And it just so happens that Uh, voice actors, uh, as a voice actor, he's got a pretty high uh, slot on on January's list. Now, given the fact that I've seen all of his movies, I, I don't know what direction to go from here. Now, obviously, he was in last year's Cars 3. I assume if there's another Cars movie, if there's another Finding Nemo movie, another Monsters movie, he will reprise his role as Mr. Ray, as Roz, as Chick Hicks, something to that effect. Uh, or if there's another up movie, he'll be Doug again. So you know that definitely gives him the opportunity to to have more roles going forward. And you know, as someone who's apparently been at Pixar for at least twenty three years, twenty four years, uh, I would expect to see him pop up in small roles as uh, you know maybe in the Incredibles too. You know, I don't know what additional voices he provided for the first Incredibles movie, but. I guess there's a chance that those characters might pop up again in Incredibles 2 later this year. So, definitely an opportunity there. Uh, But, given the fact that he's so closely tied into Pixar, it seems almost more likely that he'll actually move up the ranking, not down. And uh, that's interesting. Uh, You know, unless he ends up kind of bogged down in um, Cars short films... You know, I don't know, you know, Toy Story, Incredibles, Finding Nemo Dory. Those are all pretty good movies uh, to varying degree. And Pixar, while they've been a little... They they haven't quite hit the mark as much recently as they used to back in the mid-aughts. They are still a powerhouse for animation. And they, uh, I fully expect to see him... Uh, be part of some good movies going forward, um, so, it, it, you know, we'll see, he he wasn't a part of Coco, uh, as is expected, you know, he's white, so Coco is largely, if not completely, a Hispanic cast, if I'm not mistaken, so definitely some room for improvement, room for uh, adjustment from Peterson, and we'll see, see if, you know, if he is in *Incredibles 2*, if that's the only new film, I fully expect to see him move up this list because I think, I re- fingers crossed, I really, really hope that *Incredibles 2* is a- as good as I want it to be. You know, it doesn't even have to be as good as the first one. If it's better than *Finding Dory*, that's the bar. Better than *Finding Dory*, and *Finding Dory* is good, so you know it's not the lowest bar in the world. So that's number ten. Bob Peterson. Awesome. Moving up, this is actually a name you will probably recognize. Uh, He also was born January 18th, but he was born in 1904, a good 57 years earlier than Bob Peterson. Uh, He passed away November 29th, 1986 at the age of 82. Uh, I've seen currently 16 films featuring this person with an average film rating of 69 even. I've seen three of his films rated in the 90s, three in the 80s, six in the 60s, two in the 50s, and two between 25 and 49. He has a film value of 11.5. And I seem to be missing something. I am. I'm missing his uh, lone Oscar nomination that I've seen, which will affect his score, but won't affect his placement. Uh, It'll... Instead of being 72.83, uh, his score is actually 73.33. Once it updates, there we go. Uh, which puts him about half, a little more than half a point above Bob Peterson. Ranked 115th overall is Cary Grant. Kerry Grant, definitely a big name. Someone who has lasted and stood the test of time. Uh, you know, he has been in... Uh, wealth of movies um, that I've seen, that I've liked, that I've enjoyed. Uh, My favorite of those is The Philadelphia Story, one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. Uh, Not only showcases the best of Cary Grant's talents, but also features the best of Katharine Hepburn and James Stewart somehow fit into this single film. it's, It's kind of overflowing with the best acting talent they had going back uh, around 1940. Uh, but that's not it. You know, he's been in other big-named movies like North by Northwest, Charade, His Girl Friday, Holiday, Bringing Up Baby, To Catch a Thief, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, uh, very minor questionable role, Trumbo uh, as himself, The Grass is Greener, Notorious, The Awful Truth, all good movies, um, the further down the list, the the less ecstatic I am about them, but all ultimately good movies. But his lone Oscar nomination, and I don't know if he's been nominated for others, but the only one I've seen is for None But the Lonely Heart. Uh, and it also happens to be the low, my least favorite film from Cary Grant. And I think that probably has to do with uh, just the film focuses so much on him. Now, clearly, you know, he is the main character in a lot of these other movies, and were he to be nominated for an Oscar in them, it would have been for a leading role, but uh, None But The Lonely Heart really depends solely on Cary Grant, in my opinion, and it it focuses in on his acting abilities and his own acting sensibilities uh, in terms of just being able to navigate and I don't know, understand the nuances more than I think he's really capable of doing. Because for me, uh, you know, I I think he's fine. I'm not a big fan of Cary Grant's on a, on a personal acting level. I think he's done a good job. He's been in some fantastic films. And there are plenty I haven't seen that I'm still interested in seeing. You know, looking at Letterboxd, you know, he's got Arsenic and Old Lace, Only Angels Have Wings, and A Fair to Remember... Uh, Gunga Din, she done him wrong. The bishop's wife, blonde Venus. I was a male war bride. These are some pretty. Some of these are pretty recognizable names. Very very famous movies that uh, he he's in, and uh, I, I'm very interested to see them. You know, indiscreet Sylvia Scarlet, That touch of mink. These are big-name movies, and he's a huge name. He is one of the most recognizable names in acting, and especially in classic Hollywood. But, as good as he is, I, he just, he never hits that next level for me, where I feel like he's actually playing a role, playing a character. You know, he, he he doesn't have the ability to kind of dissolve into a role the way that somebody like Katherine Hepburn and Jimmy Stewart really do, in my opinion. Uh, he, he, you know, he's the equivalent of someone who, who plays himself. You know, I, 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 I would compare him and, you know, maybe this is a stretch, but maybe not. I, I compare him to what roles Octavia Spencer has been given most recently. You know, ever since The Help, I feel like she has played... Generally, the same character in all of the movies: in *Gifted*, in *The Shape of Water*, and *Hidden Figures*. She's pretty much the same person uh, in a different time and a different circumstance, but the same person. And I think the same is true for Cary Grant. Uh, he and I don't think Cary Grant ever really rose above that in my, um, that I've seen. Now, Octavia Spencer still has time, and I, I really wish they'd give her something different. I wish they'd let her be somebody else, because she has the capabilities, I know she does, and, you know, maybe Cary Grant does too, and I I just don't think, and, and, you know, maybe some of the movies I named are opportunities for him to uh, really spread his wings in that sense, but I haven't seen it yet, 16 movies in, and uh, I'm really looking forward, I'm not looking forward to seeing just more Cary Grant playing Cary Grant, and I hope that that's not the way things go, but, if it is, so be it, because, you know, at this point, you know, I'm watching An Affair to Remember not for Cary Grant, you know, I'd be watching it for Deborah Kerr, you know, I'm not watching Only Angels Have Wings for Grant, I'm watching it for Gene Arthur, you know, I'm watching things for Anne Sheridan, I'm watching them for Marlene Dietrich, I'm watching them for Loretta Young, for David Niven, uh, for Mae West, for Katherine Hepburn, you know, that is where uh, my interests lie and i'm going to need to see something new something different from Cary grant for that to uh for that to change so his resume speaks for itself but i think his abilities were a bit stunted uh you know he plays a good leading man but he's not much more than a kind of a fast talking um lover boy it's kind of how i would characterize him and that might be, that's i'm sure that's a little reductive but in a general sense that's mostly the way I feel about his uh, the way he he is in these movies so, at number 9 for January, number 115 overall, Cary Grant moving on to number 8 uh, we have uh, someone who falls much closer to Bob Peterson on the uh, scale of famous and recognizable to uh, not famous, and not recognizable, we have yet another primarily voice actor, uh, born January 4th, 1905, dying in no- dying November 22nd, 1992, at the age of 87. I've seen 12 films that uh, this person is credited in, with an average film rating of 72.75. One film rated in the 90s, four films rated in the 80s, three in the 70s, two in the 60s, one in the 50s, and one between 25 and 49. No Oscar nominations and a film value of 11. With a final score of 73.36, just three hundredths of a point above Cary Grant when I factored in his Oscar nomination. Ranked 114th overall, just one spot ahead of Cary Grant, is Sterling Holloway. Now, uh, again, I would be pretty shocked if someone was able to recognize that name um, not not definitely not as shocked as Bob Peterson. I think Sterling Holloway definitely had a much bigger definitely had a much bigger career. He appeared in many many more movies. Uh, according to his bio on Letterboxd, uh, he was a character actor who appeared in 150 films and television programs. Um, but for the purposes of my spreadsheet, uh, his most notable work was as a voice actor at uh, Walt Disney's company. And so some of those fantastic movies that he's been in are things like, um, here we go, here we go, let's go back, oh man, these a lot of movies, so I've seen him in Bambi, he is the voice of Adult Flower in Bambi, uh, we've seen him in Dumbo as Mr. Stork, uh, Alice in Wonderland as the Frog, The Many Adventures, Of Winnie the Pooh as Winnie the Pooh. That's the 1997 film. Um, He was in The Jungle Book as Ka, the original 1967 Jungle Book. Uh, As well, he played the voice of Ka in 2007's The Jungle Book, which I'm not terribly familiar with. Uh, His only live action role that I've seen is from It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. in which he plays the fire chief in that movie back in 1963. Um, let's see, how else we got? You know, A couple other Winnie the Pooh movies. Uh, Lambert the Sheepish Lion, where he plays the narrator in that movie. Uh, as well as the Aristocats, if you've seen that movie. He plays Roquefort. Roquefort? Roquefort. And then he's also the narrator of another animated short film, uh, like Lambert the... Sheepish Lion, Goliath 2, which is the most recent film of Sterling Holloway's that I've seen. Now, as I mentioned, he's been in a lot of movies. Letterboxd has him listed for 103 credits, and I've seen 12, so that's just 12%. That's very small. Uh, the most popular ones of his that I haven't seen include The Three Caballeros, uh, actually another voice role, but some live-action films, uh, including Gold Diggers of 1933, Meet John Doe from 1941, Frank Capra movie, uh, Remember the Night from 1940, Make Mine Music from 1946, and a film he shares with Cary Grant, uh, Blonde Venus from 1932. And this, you know, he, I, I really am interested in watching f- a few more of his live action movies, of seeing him act uh, outside of just his voice. I've gotten a pretty good experience with his voice, and I, you know, he's, fa- he's a fantastic Ka- in my opinion, and a fantastic Winnie the Pooh, you know, he's definitely shown that and proved that uh, in his career, but I think I'd like to sort of branch out and, and try to uh, experience his work in, you know, in the flesh, really, I think that would be fun and interesting and, and, and fascinating to see the difference, because, you know, outside of a very few amount of people, we don't see a lot of big You know, minor voice actors taking that step into live action. You know, it's some. Generally, it's the other way around. It's primarily live action actors who do a little bit of voice work. You know, think Tom Hanks and uh, Toy Story. You know, the best. You know, the the key example of someone who is far more a voice actor than a live action uh, actor in today's you know time is probably John Ratzenberger. You know, he's been in. Pretty much every animated film you've seen for the last two, 20 years. But, you know, he got his start. In, I think he was in Cheers. Um, I think that, that was the show he was in. But he's been in some other stuff since then uh, that are still, you know, still live action. But I think he does the bulk of his work in uh, animated movies. So, definitely a lot of films left to dive into with Sterling Holloway. And unlike animated films, you know, non animated films are definitely small rated lower on average um, than an animated film tends to be so I think he definitely has it's tough you know he he's not a giant role I'm assuming in any of these movies so it's probably not up to him and his performance as to whether or not they succeed but it will be curious and interesting to kind of get a different look at him. You know, he's a very interesting-looking person. You know, you can look at his picture in Letterboxd. I don't mean that as an as an insult. I think he's you know intriguing. You know, he has a very distinct uh, face, and that's uh, it's 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 catchy. It's it's good. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So, looking forward to some more Sterling Holloway, and. Getting to uh, better learn who he is as an actor, uh, independent of who he is as a voice actor. So that's number eight, Sterling Holloway, number 114th overall. Moving on to number seven, the first woman on the list, born January 30th, 1937. Still alive, still kicking at the age of, I guess it would be 81 in two weeks or so. Uh, With 21 film credits that I've seen, and an average film rating of 66.90, I have seen her in three movies rated in the 90s, five movies rated in the 80s, four movies rated in the 70s, two in the 60s, two in the 50s, and four between 25 and 49, one between 0 and 24. Uh, I've seen two performances of hers that have been nominated for an Oscar, one of which she won the Oscar with a film value of 12.5, and a total score of 75.59, a little more than two points above Sterling Holloway. She is ranked 86th overall. We've broken into the top 100, and that is Vanessa Redgrave. Vanessa Redgrave has been in some pretty fantastic films. She has given some pretty fantastic performances. I mentioned two Oscar nominations. Uh, The first is for Howard's End. This was not the one she won for. The other is for uh, a little film called Julia. I, you know, it's not a very well-known movie. On Letterboxd, only 1.2 thousand people have logged it as being seen. It's from 1977. Also stars Jane Fonda in the lead role. But Vanessa Redgrave plays the titular Julia in the film, directed by Fred Zinnemann. And it, it, she's not the only one that won an Oscar for it. Uh, her role, her, She won for Best Supporting Actress. Jason Robards, in the same film, won for Best Supporting Actor. And uh, Alvin Sargent won for Best Adapted Screenplay. The film was also nominated for 8 More Things. So 11 Oscar nominations for Julia. Big movie back in 1977. I encourage you to check it out. I don't think it's her best work, nor the best film that she's in, but I do think it is a solid, very, very good movie. Some of the films that I particularly like with Vanessa Redgrave, um, starting at the top, *Coriolanus*. She gives a fantastic performance, supporting performance, as in *Coriolanus*, uh, as I believe, I believe, Ray Fine's mother in the movie if I'm not mistaken. And man, Redgrave is incredible in that. Uh, She is definitely in contention uh, for supporting actress, or or rather supporting female performance uh, for 2011's Circle of Film Awards, which are still being ironed out, so nothing concrete on that just yet. She plays a strong supporting role in Atonement as well. Um, And One of the more recent films that I've seen her in is The Devils. Uh, I think more people should go see The Devils if they haven't. It's got 7,000 logs on Letterboxd. Uh, It's from 1971, directed by Ken Russell. And stars Oliver Reed. Primarily with Vanessa Redgrave as Sister Jean. And it is a remarkable film uh, that... Dramatizes the rise and fall of Urban Grandier, a, who is a 17th century Roman Catholic priest uh, accused of witchcraft. And it is a fascinating movie. It, you know, this is the kind of film that you don't see come out anymore. It's very challenging to watch. It is very um, striking and, and it kind of sets a very particular tone that is shocking, to say the least. And uh, not something you kind of expect to see at the movie theater anymore. But back in the early 70s, they put him out just like the devils. And uh, she, Vanessa Redgrave and Oliver Reed are incredible in that movie. Truly, truly fantastic. Um, moving on, Venus is another movie. Uh, this is a... Let me see if I can... Venus is a Peter O'Toole... Uh, 2006 film. I believe O'Toole was nominated uh, for his performance in this. Obviously, he did not win because he has never won. Uh, Directed by Roger Mitchell, who also directed Notting Hill, um, but also stars another one of my favorite uh, actresses in Jodie Whittaker, who is now the new Doctor Who. So, if you're interested in uh, her beyond Doctor Who, I would encourage checking out Venus because. Peter O'Toole, despite his age, was still a force to be reckoned with, and uh, not only could not only could Jodie Whittaker keep up with him, but Vanessa Redgrave uh, is every bit his acting equal, in my opinion, particularly in that film. A Man for All Seasons uh, isn't particularly... I don't know, I, I don't, I'm not very passionate about the movie, but I do quite enjoy it. I think it's very, very good. Vanessa Redgrave, a, a much smaller role... Uh, In it than than most films. It's it's a much more minor role. But uh, the movie itself is quite good. Uh, I would also say. Prick Up Your Ears. Is a fantastic representation. For Vanessa Redgrave. She is the lead. I don't know. She's not a lead female. But she's the main female character in the movie. Which also stars Alfred Molina. And Gary Oldman. Oldman, who seems to be on track to a an Oscar this year. Uh he and Alfred Molina are a homosexual couple uh in the sixties. Yes. And uh you know, it, it's it's just a very fantastic movie about playwriting, about um you know, it, it's 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 a movie revealed in... movie? It's a movie revealed in flashback. I won't give away any more than that. um, But I know I was pretty struck by it when I first saw it. I wasn't really expecting anything, to be honest. And it really surprised me. Prick up your ears. She was also on the original Murder on the the Orient Express. I know some people don't like that movie. Uh, (laughs) I quite enjoy it. I think it's far better than the newer movie. I think the cast back then was just incredible... And as great as the newer movie's cast is, I don't think it really holds a candle. Some of the movies that kind of don't work for me, that she's been in, two of them are voice roles. Uh, One is Good Boy, uh, which she plays the voice of a dog. Um, I don't see it on here. It must be, yeah, there it is. It's not a very popular or even well-known movie. came out in 2003, uh, in which... Vanessa Redgrave voices the Greater Dane. The Greater Dane. Uh, which is very strange. And uh, it's not a good movie. Very Apparently, in the movie, dogs are aliens and, and whatnot. The other movie, other voice role of hers that I don't particularly enjoy as a movie is Cars 2. You know, that old movie where we said we didn't like Mater and they gave us a sequel that was pretty much only about Mater. Uh, And according to this, Vanessa Redgrave plays the voice of the Queen and Mama Topolino in Cars 2. Not very... not a good movie. And then my least favorite of her films is Smila's Sense of Snow. And uh, this is a 1997 movie in which Redgrave plays Elsa Lubing but it, it, the film revolves around Smila Jasperson played by Julia Ormond who is basically in attempt attempting to determine what happened to this boy who who died falling off the roof of, roof of her apartment building so she's kind of a detective in her own right uh, you know it's based on a book i don't think the adaptation works very well And uh, I think the film suffers from the writing, primarily. So those are my three least favorite films of hers. Now, some of the films from Vanessa Redgrave I haven't seen that I'm I'm interested in. She's still alive. She's still working. She's in Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool, which I have not seen yet. I'm looking forward to. Uh, She's in 2001's The Pledge uh, with Jack Nicholson. 2011's Anonymous. 1997's Wild, starring Stephen Fry as Oscar Wilde, that sounds enticing. Uh, House of the Spirits, the House of the Spirits, which has a pretty fantastic cast just by the cover from 1993, including Meryl Streep, Glenn Close, Jeremy Irons, Winona Ryder, and Antonio Banderas. Uh, Little Odessa, The Secret Scripture, uh, Camelot from 1967, A Quiet Place in the Country from 68, so there's a pretty wide swath of films that she's been in, uh, you know, she's listed as having 120 credits on Letterboxd. I still have a good number of movies of hers to see, uh, just 18% of them seen at this point. So a lot of stuff to go, and uh, we'll see where she ends up at the uh, end of it. And so, that is number 7, Vanessa Redgrave, ranked 86th overall. Moving on to number 6, is the only other female in uh, this month's top 10. Born January 9th, 1956, uh, so recently, about a week ago, just turned 62, with 19 film credits that I've seen, and in a 71.42 average film rating, three films rated in the 90s, six films rated in the 80s, four in the 70s, two in the 60s, one in the 50s, one in the 29 to 49 range, 25 to 49 range, and two in the 0 to 24 range. One Oscar nomination, no wins, and a value of 15. Uh, a total score of 80.12, almost five full points higher than Vanessa Redgrave. With a rank of 43 overall, top 50 now, is Imelda Staunton. Probably most well-known uh, for her role in Harry Potter, uh, in which she is um... Oh, I can never think of her name. I'm think of it. Um, um, Umbridge. Dolores Umbridge. Uh, she's also... Had pretty significant roles in films like Maleficent, Alice in Wonderland, the first Paddington. She is in Paddington 2, which is out in theaters now. I've not yet seen it, uh, but that is coming soon. Chicken Run, she's a voice in uh, Pride, Shakespeare in Love, Sense and Sensibility. Uh, a pretty, pretty strong uh, resume, to be sure. Now, her one Oscar nomination came from her role in Vera Drake. Uh, which is one of the earlier films I'd seen her in outside of the Harry Potter movies, uh, you know, in which um, uh, she she was nominated for Best Actress at, in this movie back in two thousand and four, and it's you know she doesn't win she she's good in it. Uh, I do think, man, I, it's, I'm hard pressed to say that anything but her performance as Dolores Umbridge is is better than that. Uh, you know she she's fantastic in well everything really. Another year, much ado about nothing. Um, the uh, Kenneth Branagh nineteen ninety three version, or or Twelfth Night from nineteen ninety six. I, I really don't. I don't know like all the bad movies she's been in are are really not her fault. she she, she is definitely better than the material there. And there's only three movies that I've seen her in that I I think are bad movies. Uh, Starting with Maleficent, which is only a little bit on the other wrong side of bad. You know, I gave Maleficent a 45. But, you know, you've got Taking Woodstock, which I think is pretty awful, which she doesn't really have a big role in. uh, As well as a uh, short film. I think it's short film. It's not listed on here, uh, but it's called The Snow Queen it's somewhere. I might be able to find it. I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly how big her role in the movie was. But I'm going to try and track it down. It was an animated movie Mm, from Is this it? 19 Hugh Laurie's in this one. Yes, it's this one. Um, from 1995, The Snow Queen, uh, pretty obscure, but it had the voices of Hugh Laurie, Helen Mirren as the Snow Queen, and Imelda Staunton as Ivy and Angora. So, you know, I watched that to fulfill a scavenger hunt, that's pretty much the only reason why I even knew it existed, and, uh, you know, it's it's it's... Nothing to to write home about, I'll say that. Uh, So Letterboxd lists uh, her as having 64 film credits. I've seen 18 on Letterboxd, uh, so that's 28 percent, which means there's still a lot of films left to go. I mentioned Paddington 2, which has been getting incredibly rave reviews, uh, but also 2011's The Awakening uh, is on here uh, as well. Um, The uh, Freedom Writers from 2007, Citizen X, 95, Peter's Friends, from 92, Fingersmith, from 2005, Bright Young Things, The Singing Detective, uh, David Copperfield, from 99. Uh, not really recognizing any of the ones below that, those, though. A lot of what looked like British television movies, <laughs> to be honest. And, I mean, nothing wrong with that. I'm sure some of those are good, but probably some of them are bad, too. She is... I don't know. She She's a very particular actress, and I'm impressed with the range she's shown. You know, you look at her and see her as uh, Umbridge in Harry Potter, and it's probably pretty easy to think that that's about... The only character she could play. She's so good as Dolores, and then you see her in Vera Drake. She's completely changed. You look at her uh, when she was younger in Twelfth Night, um, in uh, in Much to About Nothing, and sh- and Sense and Sensibility, and she's she's just completely different from any of these other roles from each other. Uh, and that's not even to mention a lot of the voice roles she's had in Chicken Run in The Pirates Band of Misfits which I really enjoy Arthur Christmas I think is very good um but so so you know it's it's a mix of kind of just being able to pick the right uh, projects for her because you know I you know I question you know, in, in Maleficent, I think she's good in the I mean, most of the characters and, and actors in this movie are pretty good. You know, Imelda Stahn plays not Grass, um, one of the three um, very godmothers, I think. Is that what they're called uh, in the movie? Along with Juno Temple and Leslie Manville. And, like, the movie s- doesn't succeed because she's not good in it, obviously. You know, like, that's not... Not only is she fantastic, but, you know, the movie doesn't really hang anything on that role, but it's, I don't know, it's its curious because I think she succeeds really well in the uh, sort of, you know, Sense and Sensibility uh, type of movies, um, Sense and Sensibility, uh, Twelfth Night, Much Ado About Nothing, she's very good in that genre, in that style. And so it's kind of fascinating for her to kind of branch out into Alice in Wonderland, um, and into Paddington and Maleficent and, and Harry Potter. Uh, in in uh, uh, in Alice in Wonderland, you know she's the voice of the tall flower faces. Like, what is that even? It's like barely a role. So I, I don't even know how that happened. I mean, I guess it's Tim Burton, and uh, he kind of has—he's a pretty big name. He has some sway over a lot of people. So you know it's it's it is what it is uh she's fairly young i mean she's much younger than everyone on here except for bob peterson that we've talked about so far and there's only two pe- two other people going coming in the second so there's only, of of the 10 total people on this list she is the fourth youngest at 62 which is pretty astounding I would say, based on what I'm looking here, with the exception of Paddington Two, which might be strong enough to like hold her onto the top ten, depending on how many movies of hers I see, like The Awakening, Freedom Writers, uh, these movies I have not heard much good things about, or, or have haven't heard many good things about. Uh, Bright Young Things, I've heard is okay. Um, the Singing Copperfield, The Singing Detective, David Copperfield, you know, I've heard decent things about some of these movies, uh, you know, seeing a detective, it's more of like a mini series, really, uh, so I don't know if that would even count, um, but Fingersmith, I've heard is pretty good, is stars Sally Hawkins as one of the two Fingersmiths, so that's definitely on my watch list right now, I don't know, it's gonna be interesting, I, I don't have a lot to say, really, about Imelda Staunton, because, so much of my impression of her is ingrained in her character in, of Dolores Umbridge. I think, you know, she she gets a little bit of that Wicked Witch of the West effect, where you can't really see her as anything else. You know, Pip, Pip, um, keep writing. You know, tormenting. Uh, I hate children. What a fantastic line. And uh, you know, I really do hate children. So, I don't know. I I think. I need to have experience her a little bit more, to, kind of reach out into the films that aren't necessarily, you know, the big blo- big blockbuster Harry Potter, Maleficent, Alice in Wonderland movies, and also aren't, you know, Shakespeare in Love, Sense and Sensibility, Much Ado About Nothing, um, or her voice roles, which you don't really get a full sense of her abilities. So I think stuff like Bright Young Things, Peter's Friends, Fingersmith, that'll help me. Really iron out my opinion on her as an actor and solidify, you know, whether or not I really think she belongs to be in the top 10 of February and the top 50 overall. Uh, So that's number six, Imelda Staunton, number 43 overall, and uh, the highest ranked January born woman on the list. Moving now into the top five, we have. Uh, This person was born January 22nd, 1940. uh, Died January 27th, 2017. Died just last year at the age of 77. uh, Five days after his 77th birthday. Uh, I've seen 28 film credits uh, with an average film rating of 68.54. Broken down as two films rated in the 90s, nine films rated in the 80s, three in the 70s, 7 in the 60s, 4 in the 50s, and then 3 films rated between 0 and 24. Two Oscar nominations that I've seen, a film value of 18 for an overall score of 82.97, almost 3 full points ahead of Imelda Staunton. And he is ranked 28th overall, just shy of the top 25, is John Hurt, uh, the late John Hurt who I think is uh, pretty fantastic. Uh, He is known for many iconic roles, um, perhaps best of all for his role in Alien, uh, which is kind of, I I wasn't alive then, so I'm not really 100% sure, but feels like the kind of role that really um, breaks you onto the scene, as it were. He is uh, pretty great in that movie. Um, One of the bigger movies that really brought him to the screen for me was V for Vendetta. Uh, I I, I love him in V for Vendetta. He gives such a fantastic, energetic performance um, in this movie as Chancellor Sutler. You know, he is hated. He is a violently, vehemently hated person. And he's fantastic in it. Um, Jarmusch's Only Lovers Left Alive. He does a, you know, he's completely different. He's subdued. He is, is restrained. Uh, you see him in something like Snowpiercer, you know, which is even further removed from from the kind of other roles that he has been in. Uh, you know, just kind of this scraggly old guy in Snowpiercer. Uh, he was also in A Man for All Seasons. Um, he starred alongside uh, Gary Oldman, Tom Hardy, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, the rest of the. British acting elite in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. He was the narrator of Dogville, which I was particularly fond of, and uh, he joins Imelda Staunton as being part of Harry Potter. Uh, He is in, I believe, two, three three of the movies. He is in Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone, uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2, Deathly Hallows Part 1 as uh, Ollivander. He is Garrick Ollivander, and, you know, for someone who's really got such a small role, he leaves such a fantastically lasting impression on that movie, it's truly incredible that that he he's able to imprint so much, you know, we see him in the first movie, we see him in the seventh and last movie, and, you know, I... The, the time frame between when those movies came out. You've got 2001 and 2010. Between Sorcerer's Stone and Deathly Hallows Part 1. I don't know about anybody else who kind of grew up with Harry Potter. But I... You don't even have to have watched the early movies over and over and over again. Because John Hurt just completely sinks into that role and embodies it. Perfectly, you know, he leaves his image. It's lasting throughout the entire series, and when you see him in Deathly Hallows Part One and Part Two, talking about the wands, talking about wand magic, it is—it's like you never left his shop in the first movie. That's how powerful and how lasting his his performances are. Uh, he was in uh, in 2016. He was one of the one of the. He had a role in Jackie. Starring Natalie Portman, who won the Best Female Lead Circle of Film Award last year. Uh, He was in the newest Indiana Jones movie. uh, Unfortunately, he was in Elephant Man. Elephant Man, which is a film he was Oscar nominated for, uh, and he's he's pretty great in Elephant Man. I'm not a big fan of the movie. all told, but I think his performance in Elephant Man is pretty astounding. And once again, like that's just another film in which his role is so far removed from what you what I had at that point come to expect from him. It's pretty fantastic, pretty in- incredible. His second Oscar performance uh that he was nominated for is in the movie Midnight Express from 1978. Uh, it's a supporting role, uh, and, you know, he is... The movie is about um, a boy, a young man, uh, caught trying to smuggle drugs uh, into... No, no, out of Turkey. And, you know, he is given the strictest sentence uh, made possible by by the judge. And he... It, you know, we follow him, that is not who John Hurt plays, uh, but John Hurt is one of his, uh, if I remember correctly, he's one of the people in the prison that the that our, our lead character interacts with pretty regularly. He's also been in, He's frequently a, uh, works with Jarmusch, he's also been in The Limits of Control, which I think is decent. Um, he was a voice in The Black Cauldron, and Watership Down, uh, he's one of the probably the only notable voice in watership down uh, he he has he's the voice of hazel uh, one of the rabbits that leads the charge in uh, as they all search for sanctity and safety um, going back to Jarmouche he was in dead man uh, he is in space balls uh, he is Um, in Spaceballs, uh, kind of reprising his role in Alien a little bit there, and you can also find him in Hellboy as Professor Brutonholm. I don't think he's in the new Hellboy. I'm not 100% sure about that. I think they're just recasting everybody for that movie, so could be that that is the case, but it's not a super big role, so it's not really something that they really need to get bogged down with so John hurt I was so disappointed and, and upset that he he unfortunately passed us passed away from us last year uh, it was a pretty shocking January uh, and and the year didn't really let up after that but John hurt, He's been in a lot of movies. Some of the most iconic ones, you know, Alien, V for Vendetta. These are some of my favorite movies of all time. You know, Only Lovers Left Alive and Snowpiercer are are incredible recent movies that have come out. And uh, then you look at like his impact on Harry Potter. You know, again, three movies isn't a lot when you look at how big the franchise really was. But and even his role is relatively tiny. But he just, you know, the so you can talk about this until you're blue in the face but the casting in the Harry Potter series was absolutely top notch some of you know easily some of the best casting in that sort of a franchise that may only be paralleled by like the Marvel cinematic universe it's it's pretty fantastic and it's just it's just stunning it really is so, remembering John Hurt, some of the movies of his that I haven't seen uh, include Perfume, The Story of a Murderer, uh, Sightseers from 2012, Hercules starring The Rock, Immortals uh, starring Henry Cavill, 1984 in 1984, Heaven's Gate from 1980, The Skeleton Key, Mel Brooks's History of the World Part 1, Uh, The 1978 version, The Lord of the Rings. And uh, 2005's Manderley. 1984's The Hit. The Plague Dogs. Rob Roy. Is that Liam Neeson? It is Liam Neeson. He was a voice in the Disney movie Valiant from 2005. 2008's Outlander. Not the TV show. A Lot of you know King Ralph recount there are a lot of movies on here that I'm very familiar with Uh, In NamUs at least if not further so and more even cowgirls get the blues from 93 Uh, You know it's it's his 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 impact and you know his his legacy is phenomenal Uh, he has been in 169 films, according to Letterboxd. And that is huge. I've seen 29 of them, 18%. And he has one movie that hasn't come out yet, that he is slated to appear in. Uh, It's credited as a 2017 film on Letterboxd. Uh, I'm sure that's probably just a foreign country or uh, a festival that it was in. But it is one of his final performances, and it's called That Good Night, And that's going to be a tough one to watch. Um, You know, the same thing for, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman's films that he was in after he passed. Uh, It's always difficult to watch a movie knowing that the person uh, didn't live to see it released, didn't live to, you know, really be a part of that movie in in a grander sense. So I love John Hurt. He he's a fantastic act, fantastic act, fantastic actor, yeah. And uh, really pleased to see him in this on this list. I really hope he can continue to improve and, and actually get go beyond and maybe uh, threaten to move into the top three. It's not a big gap between five, four, three, two, and one. So at fifth overall in January, John Hurt and. Overall, across all months, he's ranked 28th. Moving on to number 4. Born January 7th, 1971, the second youngest person on this list, uh, being just 47 years old. Which, I mean, that's... Doesn't seem like he's that old, to be honest, given the kind of movies he's been doing. But, I mean, it's true, so... Uh, With 19 film credits that I've seen, an average film rating of 72.42, which breaks down as three films rated in the 90s, five films in the 80s, five films in the 70s, two in the 60s, one in the 50s, and three between 25 and 49, with two Oscar nominations at the moment, uh, neither of which went on to win him an award, a film value of 16.5, and a total score of 83.02, about Five hundredths of a point above John Hurt. Ranked 27th overall, just one spot above John Hurt, is Jeremy Renner. Now Jeremy Renner, again one of the youngest people in this top ten, but still pushing 50, uh, who mostly gets into this spot due to his connection to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He has been in the first Thor, Civil, Captain America Civil War, the Avengers, Age of Ultron, The Avengers, the First Movie. And uh, those four movies are, do a lot to, to boost his score. Uh, being his fifth best, uh, eighth best, ninth best, and where's. And then Thor. Uh, it's in there somewhere. Maybe it isn't. Have to look. But he is, you know, he owes a lot to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, but more so than that, like I said, The Avengers is only his fifth best movie, so he's done a lot of work outside of this to really improve his standing. Uh, his two Oscar-nominated performances come from uh, Best Picture winner The Hurt Locker, which he is incredible in. Uh, make no mistake, I while I don't think The Hurt Locker was the best movie that year, but I do think it was better than Avatar. It is his performance is what makes that movie incredible. That's not true. That 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 reduces Catherine Bigelow's role so much. He is one of the mo- more incredible parts of that movie. And you know Bigelow is fantastic. Anthony Mackie, uh, his MCU co-star Ray Fiennes. Evangeline Lilly, MCU co-star, Guy Pearce, you know, they're all fantastic, Guy Pearce, MCU co-star, you can probably do that with most people, but, you know, Jeremy Renner really anchors the performances in that movie around him, and totally deserving uh, of an Oscar nomination in that, in that role. His second nomination uh, came from a different movie, uh, quite different, uh, it came two years later in 2010's The Town directed by Ben Affleck, in which Renner was nominated for supporting actor as James Coughlin. And man, I don't remember as much about the town as I wish I did because it's a pretty good movie. I've rated it fairly highly, but it's been it's been ages since I've seen it, you know like seven, eight years almost. But I do, I Jeremy Renner is quite good in it. Quite, quite good. Some of his other best movies that I've seen are Arrival, number one for him. He is very, very good in Arrival. Uh, the Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford is another fantastic film that he is in. Uh, he's been in Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, and Rogue Nation, both of which are fairly good. Neither of them stands up to number the original Mission Impossible, in my opinion, but both of those movies are quite good in their own rights. Uh, American Hustle, which got somewhat of a backlash when it was released. Uh, Not when it was released, but like in hindsight, given, you know, it got, I think, 10, 11 Oscar nominations, but didn't win anything, which was unfortunate. Uh, He's got pretty substantial roles in The Immigrant, 28 Weeks Later. Um, but he does The I think for me I just I don't see him it's tough because I saw him in Wind River this year and I think he's fantastic in Wind River Uh, it's a shame that movie kind of got bogged down with connections to Weinstein although personally I don't really have it winning I mean it's not nominated for anything in my awards But it's still a very good movie with some fantastic performances. Well written. Uh, Ty Sheridan. Not Ty Sheridan. Who am I thinking of? Definitely not Ty Sheridan. Unless it is Ty Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan. Slightly the same. Slightly different. But Renner... I fully expect that if I dive deeper into his filmography... He'll lose standing. I've seen the... 16, 17, 18 most popular films of his on Letterboxd. And looking at some of the ones I haven't seen, uh, like Dom or the Cannibal, does not look very good. I've heard mixed things about Kill the Messenger. Neo-Ned looks terrible. A Little Trip to Heaven doesn't look very good either. Uh, take, Ingenious, Love Comes to the Executioner. Uh, none of these look particularly exciting. Um, and, you know, the further down the list you go... The less interesting they become, honestly. So that's kind of concerning, on the whole. But I, I, he has it in him. I I hope he can. You know, maybe he, maybe Hawkeye dies in Infinity War. It would be nice to see him branch out and move away from Marvel. He has, he's not a main character in Marvel. He's not, you know, he's never headlined a movie. So. Yeah, I don't know, like they're in talks to make a Scarlet uh, or a Black Widow movie, so that's probably going to see him in it, I would assume. And I guess that's fine, but I think he does need to try and do more stuff like Wind River. He needs to branch out, Wind River was fantastic, and get back to the movies that really blew him up and made him, no pun intended, but made him uh, more recognizable, and I guess parlayed him into... His role in Avengers uh, you know like uh, like the town and like the Hurt Locker because he definitely has that ability and he needs to definitely stop doing movies um, movies like The House and uh, Hansel and Gretel and The Bourne Legacy he needs to cut that shit out now in my opinion my opinion my opinion so that's number four in January Jeremy Renner number 27 overall Moving on to number three, we have uh, Born January 26th, 1925 and dying September 26th, 2008 at the age of 83, uh, with 16 film credits that I've seen and an average film rating of 72.94, which is the highest average film rating among anybody in this top ten broken down as six films rated in the 90s, which is tied for the most. Um, One film rated in the 80s, five films in the 70s, no films in the 60s, uh, one film in the 50s, and three films rated between 25 and 49, with six Oscar nominations, the most of anybody in the top 10, and one win, a film value of 15.5, and a total score of 84.33, so 1.3 points higher than Jeremy Renner, Ranked 21st overall is Paul Newman, who is has received an honorary Oscar himself, uh, a lifetime achievement Oscar. Now, his six nominations that I've seen come in The Hustler, which he did not win, The Color of Money, which he did win, uh, Cool Hand Luke, which was not a win, Hud, he did not win for; Nobody's Fool, he did not win for and Road to Perdition, which he did not win for. And those are, I mean, that's like half of all of his good movies, uh, right there, with the others being The Sting, which is my personal favorite movie he's been in, Uh, Sing Your Song, in which he plays himself, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, uh, Slapshot, and The Hudsucker Proxy, and Cars, the first Cars. So, Pretty wide array there. You know, Cars being an animated film towards pretty much the end of Newman's career is pretty fantastic. Uh, he... He's credited in Cars 3, despite the fact that he was dead. But they they use his voice in the movie. Uh, I'm looking here. But he is... In there somewhere, and uh, so, but you know, I mean, he's most known for his roles in, you know, Butch Cassidy and, you know, Slapshot and Hud and 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 you know those kind of older Cool Hand Luke, Color of Money, Hustler, Sting movies, and uh, you kind of, in the same sense that like Peter O'Toole in Ratatouille, isn't that's not really what people remember him for. You know that's not what they remember Paul Newman for. He was—he he was just this really cool, suave guy who could really make anything work. You know, Cool Hand Luke. He is phenomenal in that movie, and you know—you know—he can eat forty eggs. Like, what? if It's a great scene that really doesn't have—it—it uh, it seems like it doesn't matter at all, but it is such an important and—and. And, meaningful and and just impressive scene that like Paul Newman and uh and and who's his who's the guy with him George Kennedy in that are so fantastic and they work so well together you know Paul Newman had fantastic chemistry with the rest of every cast he was in it's it's really astounding and we don't get enough of those kinds of people a lot but He's got over eighty credits on Letterboxd. I've reportedly only seen nineteen percent of them, so that's uh, that's pretty small. Which means there's more than sixty movies that he's been in I haven't seen, and that's always exciting. uh, Particularly because I I don't really peruse filmographies of the people I haven't uh, of people uh, to look for things I haven't seen that often, Uh, you know. And and so doing these lists really shows me, you know, man, there's so many movies that I haven't seen that these people are in. The verdict, cat on a hot tin roof, the towering inferno, torn curtain, Mel Brooks silent movie, Ombre, message in a bottle, the long hot summer, Harper, absence of malice, Buffalo Bill and the Indians, Exodus, the life and times of Judge Roy Bean, Twilight, uh, somebody up there likes me, quintet, sweet bird of youth, what a way to go. Like these are just there's so many films here that I'm very very familiar with that I know real well by name by reputation and it's just it's that much more enticing that it's that much more exciting to like think about them and think about seeing them and finally you know experiencing Paul Newman you know that's what's so wonderful about this you know he's been gone for about 10 years now which oh my gosh it seems so long now but at the same time like there are at least 60 movies that I haven't seen that he's in, which, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, it's wonderful to know that and, and to be able to, you know, like actually dive in and and get to learn and, and, and know more about him as the time as, as time continues to move on. So, That's what, I don't know, that's what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying about Paul Newman, I love him, I, uh, he's definitely somebody, like, I've named, I can list out all the movies he's in, and they're very meaningful, and, you know, representative of his career, and you can definitely see the patterns between them, and, and just how great he was, you know, the Sting best picture winner, uh, uh, you know his six Oscar nominations, if not more, that I haven't seen yet. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is such a recognizable movie and title and characters that it kind of transcended itself. And you know, behind all this is Paul Newman. He is there, you know, making this all happen and bringing life to all these characters. And it's it's really impressive and uh, something I'm excited to keep digging into further and further, Uh, you know, I've always, I've always preferred Newman to Redford in that respect, not that Redford isn't fantastic, Redford is in himself uh, a fantastic actor usually, but for me, I've always been, I've always been, I've always favored uh, Paul Newman, so uh, number third in January, number 21, number 21st overall, Paul Newman, Moving on to number two in January. The youngest person on this list. Born January 30th, 1974. uh, Who will be turning 44 at the end of this month. With 33 film credits. The most out of anybody this month. And an average film rating of 66.55. The lowest average film rating of anybody this month. One film rated 100. Six films rated in the 90s. Eight films right in the 80s, one film in the 70s, six in the 60s, three in the 50s, six between 25 and 49, and two between 0 and 24. Three Oscar nominations with one win, a film value of 21, the highest among anyone in the top 10, and a score of 86.24. Ranked 16th overall, we're in the top 20 now, is Christian Bale. Christian Bale. uh, man, there's a lot I can say about Christian Bale. Uh, I guess the best way, best place to start is probably he was nominated for an Oscar for the Big Short. He was nominated and won an Oscar, supporting actor Oscar, for The Fighter. Well deserved, in my opinion. And uh, his last nomination comes from American Hustle. So all relatively recent films. Uh, I think The Fighter is the oldest one, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, in my book, he he's, he's good in almost everything he's been in, uh, I think, without question. Uh, you know, he really didn't get a big platform to perform until, you know, the mid, early, mid-2000s. Um, anything before then, uh, you know, he had to, you know, he anchored Empire of the Sun from 1987 as a kid, which is pretty phenomenal, but you don't see him pop up a lot in the 90s. Uh, you know, he was in Little Women in 94. But, like, again, that's not a particular, you know, a really big role. He was in Velvet Goldmine in 98. Um, but most of his stuff, most of his big movies, most of the things that kind of you know him for and you remember him for didn't happen until 2000 with Shaft, uh, with, with, Rescue Dawn in 2006, Reign of Fire in 2002, Um, 310 to Yuma was 2007, The New World 2005, The Machinist, The Machinist in 2004, Um, American Psycho, American Psycho is probably a big one, or not probably, but was a big one back in 2000, Uh, and then you've got the sort of one-two punch, uh, for me, this is what really brought me to Christian Bale: is the one-two punch of Batman Begins in 2005 and The Prestige in 2006. Bale has worked with uh, Nolan four times: the Batman, his Batman Dark Knight trilogy, and The Prestige. And I'm, you know, all four movies that I think are great, but Dark Knight really rises above the rest of them in terms of film. Uh, while I think Bale's performance is the best in in um, the prestige of those four. But, like, that doesn't even include movies like Rescue Dawn. Uh, I guess I did mention that. I'm Not There as one of the Bob Dylans. Night of Cups, which is one of my favorite Terrence Malick movies. And the really the only Terrence Malick movie after his new, like, weird... Um, tone poem phase that he's in uh, he's the voice of John Smith in Pocahontas um, he he appears in the Spielberg documentary from last year All the Little Animals Public Enemies, he's a voice in Hell's Moving Castle, The Promise from, I think 2017? Is that 2017? Or 2016? 16, 2016, which is fine, Um out of the Furnace, I think, is is okay. It really should have been much better. And then uh, his his weaker efforts, um, you know, he has a lot more bad movies than anybody else on this list, which he's able to because he has so many great ones. But I throw, you know, Terminator Salvation, Newsies, um, Reign of Fire, Velvet Goldmine, Exodus, Gods and Kings. Equilibrium and Tank Man begins into all those. Tank Man begins is a Batman short film, Mm. documentary type thing. Um, But you know he he has easily made a name for himself as one of the best actors around. He is very very much committed to his roles. Uh, You know his his performances in The Big Short and American Hustle and The Fighter are fantastic you know he is one of those actors who is willing to put his body through the paces to put on the weight lose the weight build the muscle lose the muscle you know he can look suave and debonair in american psycho he can be a very beef and uh buff batman he can be a magician he can be you know this kind of just number crunching coder housing market collapse guy in the big short that's not like a trope but um and he can be you know this sort of lanky, dying, anorexic-looking wisp of a person in the, in the Machinist, or to a lesser degree, but similarly in, in The Fighter. And then, you know, you see him in American Hustle, and he looks absolutely... Like, it just feels like he's destroying his body to change it so often and so frequently and in such drastic measure. It's It's really frightening... In a sense, uh, I remember you know early on when I was working on the spreadsheet. Uh, Christian Bale was—I don't know if he was my in, initially my number one. Once I started filling out all the actor values, but he quickly rose to number one, and I, I kind of sought out more of, of his movies to kind of facilitate that aspect. Uh, I, that's how I was became. That's how I ended up watching um, *Empire of the Sun*. Uh, I'm not there. 310 to Yuma, The New World, uh, Rescue Dawn was a big one for that reason, Little Women, um, and so forth, and uh, to that, to that very point, you know, I've seen 60% of his movies according to Letterboxd, you know, that's a pretty healthy percentage, you know, I'm very excited to see Hostiles, I'm, uh, you know, however good the movie is, I've heard, you know, I've heard some pretty mixed things as far as the movie's overall quality, but a lot of people cite Bale as being one of the best performances of the year. And, I, you know, I have no reason to dis- disbelieve that. Uh, some of the movies of his I haven't seen, uh, for whatever the reason, are besides Hostiles, Henry V, The Flowers of War from 2011, Harsh Times from 2005, Laurel Canyon, Swing Kids. Uh, 1999 version of A Midsummer Night's Dream, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, Mio in the Land of Far Away, Treasure Island from 1990, uh, Metroland from 97. Uh, There's like half a dozen Batman documentaries on Letterboxd. So Batman Unmasked, The Batmobile, Gotham Uncovered, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And there's, you know, that's, that's, but like with a like, couple exceptions, most of those are very obscure movies that most people probably haven't seen or heard of. And that's because I've seen so many of them. You know, I've seen the four, eight, 12, 16, 20, 24, 25, 26 most popular films that he's been in, you know, with Hostiles being the first one that isn't, that I haven't seen. And I just I think he is incredible. I, I think so many people point to Keith uh, Ledger and Dark Knight and I, I can't deny that like Keith Ledger is far and away the best performer and the best performance in not just the Dark Knight but that entire trilogy. But I, I think that a lot of people just kinda cast Christian Bale to the side and he's not you know, that that's that's not that's doing him a great disservice in my opinion. I think he's quite fantastic. Uh, he is the only Batman I ever need. Uh, I, I think he's kind of an unconventional choice to be Batman, but he played it very, very well. I wasn't a... I'll admit I'm not the biggest fan of his uh, his voice as Batman, but it doesn't bother me the way it bothers a lot of people, and I don't find it to be as debilitating, and it doesn't really take me out of the movie but I don't know what the solution would have been. I don't, I, I don't like the voice modulation that we've seen a bit with with uh, Ben Affleck. I, I prefer the disguised voice of the two, but I don't really think you have a great solution to that problem. And like I said, you know, I've kind of orchestrated the, the chart and, and path for Christian Bale to be number one a long time ago. And since then... Yeah, you know, obviously he's dropped a little bit. Uh, he lost out to Samuel Jackson for a while, Tom Hanks, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and now Sherry Lynn. Uh, it has been riding the first place spot for quite some time. But Christian Bale still number 16th overall. And you know, considering that so many of these more recent movies, The Big Short, which was 2015, fantastic; um, American Hustle was 2013, great movie. Uh, you know, Knight of Cups of 2015. I really enjoyed that. And uh, if I sort by newest, to help me out, like Spielberg was really good, and uh, the promise was fine. I I want more Christian Bale, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so you know, I'm really looking forward to Hostiles. And then he's got two movies coming out this year. Backseat. Which is a new Adam McKay movie. Which is a biopic of Dick Cheney. In which Christian Bale plays Dick Cheney. Which feels strange. Uh, (laughs) I I don't even know, like, who... ah, Man, like, I've seen... I haven't seen a lot of Dick Cheney. You know, I wasn't big into politics when he was vice president. um, But... (sighs) He is kind of the root of all evil, reportedly. And I'm incredibly excited to see Christian Bale as Dick Cheney. I think that's going to be fantastic. And like the rest of the cast, Amy Adams, Sam Rockwell, Steve Carell, Allison Pill, Tyler Perry, Bill Pullman, Lisa Gay Hamilton, Lily Rabe, Don McManus, Shea Wiggum. You know, that's a fantastic cast. And, uh, I'm sure there are more people in there that I may not realize, and uh, people that I don't know who will kind of, you know, step up and steal some of the scenes. But I'm so excited to see Christian Bale in this. Really excited. And the other one uh, is Mowgli, the Andy Circus Jungle Book movie, which is reportedly like more PG thirteen, more, um, more true to the original story. And there are some pretty fantastic names attached to this movie. Now, I am someone who thinks that Jon Favreau's Jungle Book is amazing. It's very, very, very good. It's great. And I think superior to the original animated movie. That said, I could not be more excited for Andy Serkis' Mowgli. uh, Because, you know, he's got Benedict Cumberbatch's Shere Khan, Kay Planchetta's Ka, Andy Serkis is doing the voice of Baloo, uh, Naomi Harris is Nisha, Eddie Marsan is Vihan, Frida Pinto as Raksha, I, I mean Tom Hollander as Tab- Tabaki, Peter Mullen as Akela, and Christian Bale is playing Bagheera, which is interesting, you know, I, I would, you've got Christian Bale, who I think is he has some sort of voice work that he's done in the past, but you don't really think of him as a voice actor. And I, but I do, when I see him like act for in, you know, live action movies, he's generally in a position, you know, he's given something, you know, when you look at him in American psycho or Batman, he's got a very, very heavy personality. He is not short of, of, being you know very passionate and and sort of aggressive I think in in his just kind of demeanor, whereas Bagheera is a much more nurturing type of character, which is not a particular a role I remember seeing Christian Bale in re, in ever for the most part. You know he's very aggressive. He's he strikes out. He's he's often violent. You know Batman, Out of the Furnace, American Hustle, The Fighter, Public Enemies, Terminator. You know he is three ten to Yuma, the Prestige. He is a very um, angry actor, it seems, a lot of the time, so, and, and, you know, obviously Bagheera gets a lot of moments to be, you know, protective, and, and kind of lash out, and, and um, reactive, but it's all in, in, in a completely different vein and approach than I think many of Christian Bale's typical roles, so, so this, that is another performance of his I'm really looking forward to, this could be a big year for him, and, uh, in all likelihood, could improve him. Back, he might find his way back into the top ten. You know, he was one of the mainstays in that in the top ten for quite some time. And it wasn't until, you know, John, Jimmy uh, James Stewart and Katherine Hepburn, you know, finally uh, you know, built a big enough resume to enter the top ten. Um, you know, including Andy Circus and, and uh Among others, you know, and and along with the change in uh, The way I determine the score, you know, that did hurt him a little bit But still top 20 And, you know, knocking on the door And I think this is going to be a good year for him It's going to be a good one So that is number 2, that is Christian Bale Ranked 16th overall, 2nd in January And we now move on to our number 1 Actor uh, as ranked by my statistics on my spreadsheet, as ranked by his filmography. Uh, born January 30th, just like Christian Bale, but born in 1930, 54, 44 years before Christian Bale was born. Uh, he is currently 88 years, oh, he, he'll turn 88 at the end of this month. Um, I think he's retired, <laughs> honestly. Yes, he's a retired actor and novelist. He hasn't, his last movie, um, according to Letterboxd, uh, was an <laughs> a Clean Eastwood documentary back in 2013. Uh, but he hasn't really been doing anything besides making of documentaries and things like that since 2004. Maybe that gives you a hint. Uh, with 20 film credits that I've seen and an average film rating of 71.95, broken down as 3 films rated in the 90s, 5 films rated in the 80s, 6 in the 70s, 3 in the 60s, 1 in the 50s, 1 between 25 and 49, and 1 between 0 and 24, with 3 Oscar nominations that I've seen. 2 of those went on. To, he went on to win, with the most wins out of anybody in this top 10. A film value of 18, and a total score of 86.91, so about Uh, 65 hundredths of a point above Christian Bale, ranked 15th overall, one spot above Christian Bale, is Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Big Gene Hackman, whose last uh, performance was in Welcome to Mooseport. Not the best uh, exit, I will say, but a movie I've seen, and uh, it's not the worst movie in the world, but it is certainly not one we you really want to be remembered for, <laughs> in in my opinion. Uh, there are two films that Hackman's been nominated for an Academy Award for that I haven't seen, but the ones I have seen are his nomination for Bonnie and Clyde, his win in Unforgiven, and his win in The French Connection. Uh, those are some pretty pretty. Big, pretty recognizable movies. And uh, those aren't the only ones he's been in. He, he's got the Royal Ten Tenenbaums. Um, he's got The Conversation. Uh, Young Frankenstein. Superman. Enemy of the State. The Birdcage. And uh, probably the movie I most associate him with. Because it's the one I've seen the most. It's the one I remember him in more than anything else, and it's one of the last performances he was in, and that's Runaway Jury. Runaway Jury starring Rachel Weisz, Dustin Hoffman, Gene Hackman, and John Cusack, uh, regarding uh, a court trial that deals with whether or not gun manufacturer should be liable for someone buying the gun and using it to kill somebody. But regardless of, of your own uh, uh, preconceived notions about gun laws and things like that. The thrills and tension in that movie, I think, are fantastic. And... <coughs> excuse me. The story kind of breaks down a little bit at points, but I think the performances are outstanding. Uh, Hackman, uh, particularly, is is great. And it's, it's really interesting. You know, I... <laughs> Hackman is not someone that I think of when I think of like the best actors of all time, and yet he's won two Oscars. He's top fifteen all time in my spreadsheet, but like he's not a name that's like rattling around my head a lot. I don't watch movies for his performance or his name, and uh, you know maybe that's a slight against myself. You know maybe I'm not um, giving him the credit he's due. You know he he's. You know, Crimson Tide, I think he's quite good in Crimson Tide. That's one of the most more recent films that he's been in I've seen. Uh, the Quick and the Dead, Reds, The Firm. Uh, you know, all films I, I enjoy. Postcards from the Edge, The Replacements. He's, he's good in The Replacements. Uh, it's... it's. I don't know. I, I'm not sure where the disconnect is between me and thinking of good actors and then Gene Hackman And why his name doesn't really pop up into my head. It's really nothing about him, nothing against him, I don't think. I just, I think part of it has to do with the fact that some of his biggest movies, you know, Young Frankenstein, Bonnie and Clyde, Royal Tenenbaums, aren't, they don't revolve around him. He's not one of the main characters in them. Uh, And the ones that he is, you know, Unforgiven, The Conversation, The French Connection, um, those are movies that I I just don't, I don't keep in my own head a lot. They're movies that I fully recognize for how good they are and how exceptionally well made they are. But they're not movies that I hold in a very, very, you know, well regarded esteem. To put it a different way, uh, you know, Run um uh, they're not they're films that I have very highly rated on Letterboxd and in my spreadsheet, but not films that I attached that I would say I like. You know, I'm not like chomping at the bit to rewatch the French connection or the Conversation or Unforgiven. Um, despite how great and how incredible I think those movies really are. Uh whereas something like Lean Clyde or Ants, Runaway Jury, like I'll rewatch those you know, on a whim, but he's not a huge role in those. And uh, that's, I think, the best explanation I can offer as to where that disconnect comes from. Some of the films of his I haven't seen, however uh, Superman 2, Superman 2, <laughs> Superman 4, Quest for Peace, uh, Mississippi Burning from 88, Get Shorty from 95, Night Moves from 75. Uh, the Mexican from 2001 Hoosiers from 86 The Poseidon Adventure from 72 1988's Another Woman Behind Enemy Lines Scarecrow A Bridge Too Far No Way Out Absolute Power Heist um, French Connection 2 Wyatt Earp Heartbreakers A lot of movies uh, Eureka, Twilight, Downhill Racer, Prime Cut, Under Suspicion, you know, I keep seeing more movies that I'm familiar with that I recognize, Geronimo, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been in a lot of movies, he is a prolific actor, uh, he's retired, I'm, I don't know if he'll ever come out of retirement, you know, he's he's very old, and uh he's got an incredible career already. I don't think he needs to. It's a shame his final movie happened to be welcome to Mooseport but you can't all we can't all go out on winners like uh, like that so it is what it is and he's uh, he, he's more than made a name for himself. His legacy is more than um, what the word I'm looking for is it's it's more than uh, most people's and, and and will last far beyond uh, his own life I believe you know I, you know fingers crossed he gets to live out the rest of his days as best as possible I'm sure he will and hopefully they are not cut short um, by anything so Gene Hackman. Man, I—I I, my least favorite Gene Hackman film isn't Welcome to Mooseport. That's my second least favorite Gene Hackman film. Uh, my least favorite is actually Loose Cannons. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's—he uh, stars opposite um, Dan Aykroyd. It's a 1990 film. Also stars Dom DeLuise, Ronnie Cox, and uh, it's kind of like a buddy cop movie. And. it's it's very, it's really hokey, and I think it's just really poorly made, and I think that, I mean, that's just generally why I don't find it very fascinating or interesting. Hackman's fine in it, as best I remember, but it's nothing, absolutely, absolutely nothing worth seeking out, as far as I'm concerned. I watched it a long time ago, I believe. Perhaps even before the spreadsheet. No, I think it was after that. I think it was maybe one of the scavenger hunts. Um, April 2014. Whew. That's uh, four years ago. Four years ago. Long time. Uh, so Gene Hackman. I've seen 20 of his films. Letterbox gives him 80, uh, 90 credits. So that's 22% that I've seen. So I still have a long ways to go as far as fleshing him out. I think he would definitely, he's high enough up that I think it'd be kind of impossible for him to drop off the list by next year, Uh, but I'm not sure. I, I don't know, you know, as recognizable as a lot of those titles are that I haven't seen him in, it remains to be seen how many of them stood the test of time, how many of them are still good and are just, or might just be remembered for their popularity, for the money they made. Uh, or their cultural or so, uh, social impact, rather than strictly the quality of the work. So, that's kind of where that all shakes out. So, Gene Hackman, number one, January, number 15 overall. Going to run through the top 10 one more time, just to kind of refresh you. Bob Peterson, Cary Grant, Sterling Holloway, Vanessa Redgrave, Imelda Staunton, John Hurt, Jeremy Renner, Paul Newman, Christian Bale, and Gene Hackman. And hey, that's that's pretty good, pretty good list of names. It's it's I may have undersold it a little bit early on. you know, it, it's not a bad list of names by any stretch. Definitely a top 10 that I feel comfortable with. Um, looking outside the top 10, you know, I think James Earl Jones is is chomping at the bit to get in there and uh, you know that. The new live-action version of The Lion King might be the film that puts him over the top if uh, all else remains equal. Mini Driver is ranked 13th right now. She's a bit of a distance away, but but could definitely close that. And I would say that beyond that, you know, you've got Jason Siegel, James Cromwell, Gina Davis, all kind of in that 400th range. Uh, but that's about 10 points outside of the top 10 that's a pretty big gap to overcome. So I think it's more likely that someone who, more of a classic actor, will will strike a new, will will strike new into the top ten next year, but hey, there's twelve months between now and then. A long, a long period of time to go to see how that shakes out. So that's the January Born Top Ten Actors. I want to thank you so much for listening. You can check all this information out. You can see the other months and uh, look and see where see if your favorite actor is is anywhere among any of them. Uh, you can do that at circleoffilm.com. Look at the Month Born Actor tab. You can find a lot of other stuff out there. But if you want to get in contact with me, you can do so at circleoffilm@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Send me an email. Happy to respond to any, any and everything. Or, if that's not your jam and you're on Twitter, I'm also on Twitter, at Circle of Film. You can follow me and communicate with me there. Uh, and finally, if you would like to uh, support the show in a monetary fashion, you can do so at Patreon.com slash uh, There's a lot of different options to choose from, so uh, check it out if you're so inclined. And as always... Have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades. Say-